Hey, Rockheads, it's time for NDC Oslo again, June 15th through 19th in Oslo, Norway. Richard and I will be there, of course, as well as all your favorite speakers. World-class stuff here, folks. NDC-Oslo.com. We'll see you there. .NET Rocks, episode 1142, with guest Bob Rieselman. Recorded Saturday, May 9th, 2015. Hey, hey, hey! What's up? It's Carl and Richard. What's up, Richard? Squeeze it a studio show into all the craziness that has been the whole month of May. I am really excited about this show. My good time long friend Bob Russellman is on, and uh, it's going to be a different show than you might think. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah I am too. But I got to tell you, the Better Know framework is directly related to work that I've been doing here, so let's roll the crazy music. Awesome. All right, buddy. I love it when you're knee-deep in a project because you come up with some cool stuff. Well, this is really cool, and it's not anything anybody couldn't have found, but, you know, the internet is really vast, and sometimes, all right. Everything you want to know is in there. It's just covered in porn. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, anyway... So I've been working on Unity, obviously Unity 3D. This is a a very cool piece of software that allows you to create games and graphic programs that run on anything Yes, and everything, and it uses C-sharp as a scripting language. And uh, in preparation for HoloLens development, this is where it's going. And the second uh, tutorial that I did is the Space Shooter Project, and it was done so well, I just got to say that if you have a kid or, or someone in your life who has maybe tried programming but thought it was boring, it wasn't an, there wasn't enough instant gratification, do this. Have them do this tutorial. This is the exercise for someone who's contemplating building their own video game, huh? Yeah, that's right. And, and it could be a complete beginner to programming. But as long as you're there and, you know, right next to them, helping them through, um, it, it's a little strange because... The demo is done with Unity 4 and Unity 5 is currently out. So there's one point in it where they ask you to go turn off the ambient light that's in a, in a, uh, menu option that's been moved, you know, and you wouldn't know that unless you could Google Bing it and figure it out. Right. But, you know, that's what you're there for. So, uh, it's an arcade game like Galaxian and they give you all of the assets that you can download, you know, the, the mesh models, audio, textures, materials, and all that stuff. But you write the scripts, and you put the lights together, and you set where the camera is, and you you do everything. So except for, you know, the artwork, you build this game. And uh, it's just awesome. And it, you start by – you get instant gratification is what I'm saying. And you right. go through step by step by step. You can see, oh, okay, this is what it takes to get to this next step. But in every step along the way, you get into play mode and you can actually do something. So it's really, really cool. And I did this with an intern here at Pwop Studios last night. And he's like completely hooked. He's like, holy crap, who knew this could be so much fun? Huh. That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. So give me a link. All right. So go to tinyurl.com slash Unity Arcade Game. So you should download Unity. It's free. 
And then you just start watching the video and they show you how to set up a project and download the assets and then start with the player game object and go from there. The cameras and the lighting and all that stuff. It's just awesome. And it's easy. And is it really 3D or is it still, this is a side scroller type game or it's a, it's a 2D game, but the ad for it is a little 3D thing. Okay. Yeah. But it, but it is a 2D game. It's still a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's a place to start. 3D is hard. Yeah. It, well, it's a 3D game, but it's in 2D. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You you don't use the Y axis at all. Okay. Or the Z axis at all. Well, in the game, it's Y because okay. you're looking down. One at of those the top. axes is not being used. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, all right. Uh, I, I, I love that you're excited, Ben. That's really cool. And, and you said to me a while back you were going to get into Unity, and clearly you are. Well, and I'm just, I'm just dipping my toes in it, but it, it, it's awesome. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yep. All right, who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 1094, the one we did with Uncle Bob ah. when we talked about Beyond Craftsmanship, because I just have a sneaky suspicion we're going to have the craftsmanship discussion today. I'm just guessing. Well, yes, but like I said, it's not your, it's not the show you're expecting, I don't think. Okay. Uh, and this is from Errol, who says, I frequently think about why there's so much poorly written code out there, especially by those just starting their careers. And I said... <laughs> My re immediate reaction is, it's just like the first clutch in your car. You hop and skip around a bunch, you make some bad smells, and in the end, you don't get anywhere. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I love it. But that's, Errol goes on to say, I'm sorry, it's just like the, the, the clutch metaphor jumped out. I have girls who just recently learned to drive. Bad smells. Oh, uh, yeah. Bad smells. I would say I still consider myself to be in the beginning of my career as a software developer, and yet I already feel... That I've seen some of the worst code out there, and I'm talking enterprise systems. Mm. I think maybe the problem stems from the irrelevant and insufficient education in college, where future developers are not properly taught how to write quality software, mm. but instead are taught about compilers, linear algebra, assembly, operating systems, and so on. And the classes that are relevant are taught by people who are notoriously regarded as the worst developers. Yeah. That is, people with PhDs. Yeah. Instead of industry experts. Where is my source control 101? And where are the debugging, the unit testing, and the solid classes? Now, I, I, I got a reaction to this, too, which is, hey, if you're being taught by PhDs, you're be being taught computing science, not right. engineering. That's right. And computing science is about compilers and operating systems. That's right. That is the science part. But trying to learn science and then apply engineering. You know, you learn the material science of steel that doesn't qualify you for building a bridge. That's right. They're two different things. But very, very well said. The problem is, of course, that's the curriculum that's available these days for yep. the most part. It's not least, practical. Yeah. Well, and not engineering, science. That's true. Yes. So most developers have computer science degrees, and most people with a computer science degree end up as developers. I don't know if that's true, but okay, let's just go with it. Not to downplay the importance of compilers and operating systems, but I probably never get a chance to apply any of that coursework. Yet I've made several commits today and will continue to do so for the rest of my career. There are jobs for people who want to build operating systems, just not very many of them. Mm. We offer no substantial software education to computing science majors, and as soon as graduates join the world of software developers, that they are thrown in, ill-equipped, and expected to actually produce something. Maybe there would be a less disastrous code in the world if when developers were entered the world, they had four years of experience instead of zero, just a thought. Hmm. And this also speaks to, again, much more an engineering discipline mind, which is you need to go on a practicum semester, right? You need yeah. to, to article with some folks. Like, that's all part of that. Yeah. 
And I, I think the frustration that he's feeling, Richard, is that, you know, when you're in college, that's when you develop habits. And so any, any little, uh, you know, gross overlooking of anything in the process when you're being taught any kind of coding may become a habit, may become a bad habit that you'd have to unlearn later. Yeah. I, and, you know, the funny thing is I think the bad habit thing is going on all the time anyway. You know, it, the, the side effect of experience is scars. Yeah. Right? And, it, you know, we've had some really fun shows with relatively new, inexperienced developers who just aren't impaired right. by the baggage we drag around having done this for so long. Yeah, that's long. true. So I think we've always got that problem of having to break and remake habits if we're really going to be as productive as we can be in this space. Yeah, I guess you'd, you'd just think that coming out of college, you'd want to get a running start before you hit the brick wall, you know. The problem is you took the wrong class. Yeah. You went to a class to build operating systems, and that's not what you're being asked to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the funny part is if you were going to build operating systems, I'm betting that class is pretty out of date. And on top of that, I think we talked about this in the past couple of weeks with all the shows going on. It's like, you know, how long does it take to get a set of curriculum ready when Microsoft shipping new bits every quarter? Yeah, yeah. Like, good luck. We It used to be bad. Now it's insane. Right. So, I mean, I feel Errol's pain a lot. And I just want to sort of set the stage that I, I feel his frustration as a beginner. And we've got challenges for the experts. And I hope we can sort of put some more light on that today. Yeah, I'm with you. We can build better software. Errol, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. Because we've got them for Windows Phone 7 and 8, Android, iOS, and Windows 8. All right, so let me tell you about our guest, Bob Resselman. He is a nationally known software developer, technology writer, and emerging luthier. That's right, a maker of guitars. Bob has written numerous articles and books on the practice and management of software development. He's worked as platform architect at the computer manufacturer Gateway, principal consultant at Gap Gemini, and technical process architect for Edmunds.com. He's slung code for the National Association of Recording Arts and Science, the people that bring you the Grammys. But other significant activity is making handcrafted electric guitars and basses, which you can view his work on Facebook on the page Implements of Mass Construction. Nice. <laughs> you can read Bob's recent article about applying the lessons learned from Luthery to Luthery. software development on developer.com. The article is titled Lessons Learned, a Craftsman's Approach to Software Development. Welcome, Bob. Hey, thank you for having me. Or shall I say welcome back? You were on uh, show 59 talking about a book you wrote, which was fiction called Coding Slave. You remember that? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I remember Coding Slave. It actually, uh, after I appeared, it became very popular for uh, um, a very noticeable time. That's very, very cool. Noticeable time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, was a, it was a good book. I'm happy I wrote it. So you, you've been a developer your whole life or whatever, but what, what inspired you to uh, start building guitars. What happened? Yeah, what, what happened? happened? Right. Yeah, right. What happened? Right. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've been doing code since, you know, my, I came, I, I'm not an early life programmer. I came in in my 30s and uh, I came in um, as a musician. I was turned on the uh, um, computers because a, a professor of mine lived in, we were both living in Cambridge at the time. I graduated. I, I, my undergraduate degrees in music and composition mm -hmm. and he had a uh, Mac and he said, uh, or Apple II at that time, Mac, and he said, come on over, check this out. And what happened was is that you could program string quartets. You could write string quartets on a computer. And before that time, 
getting your music played was like a real rite of passage for a composer. Sure. Because you had to go find a string quartet, you know, a string quartet that would play your quartet and then go to rehearsals and all this. And then you, there was no real time listening, very right. few, unless you were an accomplished guitar. So anyway, so he said, check this out. And I did. And, and something, and I started writing my quartets, my string quartets on computer. And I said, hey, this is sounding, this is interesting. I wonder if I can make the computer do something else. Okay. And I started doing back then, and I'm sort of embarrassed. Hypercard, uh, <laughs> going yeah. back. I remember Hypercard. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's gone away. And I started programming, and it, it clicked. It just clicked immediately. And it's like the uh, the caller, like the caller that said, "I'm really frustrated because I went to college and they really didn't teach me how to develop software." Right. Well, um, I came in the other way. Is like I I learned how to develop software without going to college. Right. So. Fast forward. So, so here's what happens. So what happens uh, is, you know, I'm doing my software life, my software life, and I'm doing music on the side. And my wife talked me into joining this bluegrass band. All right. Okay. Cause and I wanted to be with my wife. I'm talking bluegrass. Are you and playing? One day I'm, what are you playing at this point? Guitar? At bass? this point, I, I'm playing guitar in a bluegrass band. Don't, right. th that's another story, uh, how I ended up there. But no, I'm, up okay. at the, I'm, cool. I'm up at the Topanga uh, Banjo and Fiddle Festival, which is a huge festival of all bluegrass players in Southern California, if not the West Coast. And this guy's selling cigar box guitars. On, and I buy one on whim. I said, what the hell? Um, you know, I'll buy the cigar box guitar. All right, so now just tell everybody what a cigar box guitar is. A cigar box guitar. Actually, B.B. King started on a cigar box guitar. Um, guitars were out of reach for most blues players in the 1920s and 30s. They were too expensive. Mm. So you, you took a cigar box and you put a broomstick on it. And you put two two or three strings across the broomstick, the guitar, and the, and the cigar box became the resonator for the guitar, and you played guitar. <laughs> and there's and if you go out on go out on the internet and do cigar box guitar, there's a whole culture now of cigar box guitar makers. Yeah, huge culture. And so I I bought one and I took it home and played it, and it went out of tune. <laughs> and I called the guy up. I said, "Look, it's going out of tune." He said, "Look, you, you know you." You, you gave me 200 bucks for the guitar. What more do you want? Yeah, it's a cigar box right. with some <laughs> strings on it. Come on. Yeah, right. What do you want? What, you want it to stay in tune? What are you, crazy? <laughs> yeah, right. Use a slide, for Christ's sake. Right. Yeah, really. It's a cigar box. What do you want? So I looked at it, and I said to myself, you know, I can make one of these. <laughs> and so I did. And I made one, and things fell out that I, I'm in, you know, I'm in Los Angeles, but I found a shop to share in Los Angeles, and I made one, and then I made another one, and made another one, and I started playing cigar box guitar in this bluegrass band, you know, and I got, and then I started making one, then I started, then people knew I was making cigar box guitars, and they started saying, would you make me one, and make one, I started selling them, right, and I, I was surprised, but I sold them, and okay. people bought them mostly for novelty, but a couple players really bought them, and again, go out on the internet, huge cigar box community, right, right, so my, 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 my darling wife says, look, you know, maybe it's time, you know, you learned how to really make a guitar, Real guitars. I said, okay. Yeah, real guitars. I mean, you're playing, you know, you're getting it, but, you know. And so, like, the guy that was, like, sort of in college and went to become a software developer outside of college, I became, like, a luthier outside of luthier, the, the experience of luthery, and it was time to go to college. And I did. And she was very supportive. And I went and studied. I went to Portland, Oregon, and I studied with a guy named Charles Fox. And Charles Fox is... One of the most brilliant men. You can look up the Ergo guitar on the internet, and Charles Fox is one of the most brilliant men I've ever met in my life. I don't know in your life that you have these people that fall into it, and you go, "This guy is a genius," and or woman is a genius, and they stick with you for a lifetime. And not only did Charles open up a world to me about guitar making, but he also opened up the world of mechanical engineering, hmm. which was 
completely outside of the scope of my experience. Right. Because go back to the old joke, you know, how does a software developer change a light bulb? Well, they don't. It's a hardware hardware problem. problem, Right. right. So just for the record, Charles Fox yes. builds uh, acoustic guitars, right? He, he did, but he had an electric guitar company in San Francisco for a long time, uh, I think in the 80s, and he just decided to, the, he didn't want to do that anymore. Okay. And he now builds acoustics. They're, they're gorgeous. They're state-of-the-art. He's him, and another, there's another builder named Kevin Ryan who's down here in Southern California, who's really redefined acoustic guitars. So when I came out to visit you a couple of years ago, you told me that you spent a lot of time with this guy and that the end of the workshop, and it was like all day long, at the end of the workshop, you had a guitar. I had a guitar. I can. I, di- I did 12 hours a day for two weeks. You wow. made an acoustic guitar and you, he taught you his technique and he had a boatload of technique. And because he's a, he's a master mechanical engineer he also talks a lot about what are called fixtures and jigs and a fixture is oh you know how you get a bass class and then you do you inherit down and you extend the capability of a bass class mm-hmm. well a, a fixture is you take a machine and you extend the capability of a machine so for example a drill press you can take a drill press and he had a gizmo that he put on it that allowed you to transform the drill press into a surface planer Okay. So that's an addition to a machine. It's called a fixture. The other thing he has are jigs. And a jig is, it's like a template. It's a machine-like template that allows you to make things, make, make things, very similar to a software template. And I, I use templates all the time now. I actually, I, I use um, Illustrator to create uh, industrial designs that I send out to laser cutting facilities to make my templates. My necks are made with templates, my yeah. bodies and all that stuff. So, yeah. so when you were going through this, as mm-hmm. a developer, was it wh- what was going through your mind, like how how you related it back to software development? Because you know, I know you're doing that. I mean, that's obviously what we're talking yeah, about. I, but what was going through your mind at the time? Yeah the the first the first thing that went through my mind is that his design there you didn't he didn't let you at the wood. He went through a whole design sensibility that. This is how, and he, this is something he developed over years. So the first thing is, is that this is an abstraction. This guitar exists in this guy's head. Hmm. This guitar doesn't exist in the real world yet. And and the other, so and as we all know in software, just everything exists in our head. That's right. So I'm going, yeah, everything exists in our head. But he's going to take it from our head, and he's going to put it into the world. And hmm. that was that was like really pretty. So it's like going to a, a developer class, and they say we're not going to write code. <laughs> right, don't touch right. the keyboard we're going to learn right. first right we're going to learn first and he and his code was again his his code like you you write code to produce a program and that program does something else his code were really the uh the designs he had and the design methodology he had but also these templates and fixtures they extended his ideas in the real world that mm-hmm. allowed him to do precision work and we're talking everything from like how to make screws I mean, really out there for me. So anyway, that's Charles. So, but I went up there and I came back, but I, I, I came back, you know, to, you know, two, 12, two, you know, 14 times 12 later. And my world was different. My world was different. The whole way I, I saw software, the whole way I saw things, I started looking. And then the other thing is that I, I got to be upfront. I fell in love with wood and I started looking at wood in a way I never saw it before. I mean, I started looking at grain lines, and I can elaborate on it later in the show if we have time. 
So you notice things in the world that you hadn't noticed before just nope. by – and you see a parallel here with, uh, with software, maybe with languages. I see the, the parallel with software that I see when I started really becoming really good at code and I started getting the, the nature of object-oriented programming is I never looked at patterns the same again. Mm. Patterns became everything. Mm. And as I started perfecting my design sensibility – about how I how I make guitars, and I well, I'm working on my own my own sensibility. Is these patterns become critical? Yeah, the patterns of development. Bob, it makes me wonder how much building the cigar box guitars informed your thinking when you started looking at building more formal acoustic guitars. The same way that hacking at code sets you up to appreciate patterns later on. Right. Let me, well, let, the, the for me, the um, the m biggest revelation was how much I screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> well, just be you know, you the one nice thing fast. about screwing up a guitar, you can see it. It's kind of permanent. <laughs> right. So, but there's you, no undo. Right. <laughs> right, but it's like it's like a developer. Like when you're starting developer and you start learning, you know, you learn how to write, you know, you, you know your simple math expressions, right? And you can say, okay, I can make a program that can add two plus two, right? And and you do that. So for me, the analogy would be: let's talk about frets for a while. And I, I'm going to assume a good a good deal of the listenership here. I know Carl, you're an accomplished musician. Richard, I, I don't know uh, if you're you're, you're musical. But I'm not I know accomplished a lot anything. Richard, okay. Richard is a musician of the mind. A musician of the mind. But I, I do know that, I mean, I've been doing this a while, and I've been an active and inactive musician, but a lot of developers I know either are musicians or musicians that have become developers. And I do um, like this idea that the corollary yeah. between software development and musicians is this concept of mastery, that nothing's ever actually done. You just stop. You've done it enough. Mm -hmm. And you're always could be better, could strive to do more. Right. And also, the, for me, the, the correlation between software and the musical sensibility is yes. pattern recognition. Yeah. Pattern recognition, yeah. Musicians have a high degree of pattern recognition. That's why right. they become developers. That's my theory. So anyway, let's go back and talk about something in the real world, frets. So I'm making my cigar box, right? And the first thing I did is I put, you have to put frets on a guitar. And, over, and fret, fret the, the key point to any guitar, no matter how much you work on it, is either guitar can make music or it can't. And fundamental to making music is the position of the frets because of the physics of it all. So I'm, I'm doing my I'm doing my first cigar box guitar and I'm looking at my frets and I'm going, gee, I got to figure out a way to smooth these to the neck. <laughs> and I'm, again, I didn't know anything, so I had this grinding wheel in my shop and I take the, the fret and I put it on. I put the inside of the neck to the um, grinding wheel and I could just see the, the the fret, which is made out of wire, heat up and start burning the fretboard. You know. <laughs> Well, things are going well. <laughs> things are going well, yeah. And I said, well, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> now, and then that was, you know, about three, four years ago. And But I had to screw that up because the lesson that I learned is if you think shaping a fret, which seems really elementary to a player or to anybody who goes in the guitar center and sees all the ghost guitars on the wall is easy, you need your head examined. Right, it's yeah. one of the hardest things in the world to do. And yeah. if you look at, now, when you look at your guitars, I look at a lot. I spent when I look at a guitar, the first thing, one of the first things to look at is frets. And so that, so the lesson, actually, I talk about it in the in the article I wrote that I sort of tried to pull this all together on developer.com. Mm. Yeah, is even 
even the easiest stuff is hard. So going back to if I was in, if I was a college professor, which I have been in other lives, is young developers, dude, young developer, dude, and dudettes. Even the easy stuff is hard. Yeah. Get that part. And that was uh, that lesson just it screamed off the fretboard at me. There are you people know? though that seem to just devour this stuff, right? I mean. You, you've met these guys. I mean, you, you watch them learning something new and it's just like, pick, 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 like the, you could just see like their brains exploding and things are happening so fast. And you're just like, ah, yeah, okay. I mean, you know, people like this. I, I'm not one of those people, but. Well, uh, yeah, I'm not either. I mean, I, I, I don't, I know, I don't know people like that. The only, I do know one guy who, I know one or two people, I know one or two people that get programming immediately and who have mastery of playing a guitar pretty quickly. Mm. But the making of the instrument, I, and again, and I know, actually, it's interesting now. I, when I first started doing this, I thought there were only like 12 guys in Los Angeles that made guitars. And now on Facebook, I belong to a group that has 6,000 members. Wow. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. thinking of details. I'm thinking of, of minutia, whereas you're talking about, you know, producing an, a, a beautiful guitar here. It, it does, it, just like producing a beautiful work of software, the more experience yeah. you have, the better your end result is going to be. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I mean, the, the rule of thumb on the streets is when I first started doing this, and and the other, and going back to your, your letter earlier in the show, is this time around, when I first started doing software, I had, I think, the hubris of a young man, and I tried to figure it out a lot on my own and reading books. And I really didn't want to let people know how much I didn't know. Mm. And this time around, my goal was I, I was just going to fess up and say I didn't know anything. Yeah. And so as a result, I surrounded myself with, with really gifted craftsmen as soon as I could. Mm -hmm. and, and that proved to be um, a virtue. Do you think that because you were doing this on your own time and there wasn't a boss sort of like expecting you to produce that had a, a the freed you up to uh, let your ego go a little bit? Um, it, how can I say it? it? I don't know about that. I, one, one of the things I've, I've come to learn is that you, you, there's always somebody, somebody always wants some in any relationship. There's always a demand. Right. And, and the demands can be benevolent. I mean, I'm, it's not like there's evil guys saying, you know, give me my stuff right away or I'm going to kill you. But there's always a demand. And I work with a lot of, a lot of players and players, the good players are very demanding. Mm -hmm. They're very, and I, and I work with players not so much, um, because I want their money because, you know, there's a joke. There's a joke on the landscape. Let me, um, talk about this. You know, there's a, a luthier who hits the uh, lottery. And the, the newscasts come down to interview him. They say, well, gee, you've hit the lottery for a million bucks. Now what are you going to do? And the luthier says, well, I'm going to keep building till the money runs out. <laughs> you know how to make a small fortune making guitars? Start with a big start fortune. With a big fortune. Right, start with a big one. Right. So, right. So the goal, the goal of all this is the goal of all this is, is the relationship around the music and the musical experience, which in my, and going back to software, the best software I've ever had a good time doing was around the software as a software experience. I, you know, on the world as, of commerce, as a development experience or as a software, like your end product experience as a, as a development experience. Okay. Um, and, I, and again, I can think back to one, I had a project back in my, uh, this was probably 1990, 
1990, 1991, and we were doing it for a, uh, this is before the internet was really hot, a lot of magazines had to get online, mm. and we were doing a job, we had a proposal out for a major magazine to put them online, and the, it, it, you know, we had some startup money, but everybody in the room was just so about the software, it was just so about the software. Mm-hmm. And they weren't really worried about, and we knew we were all living hand to mouth, no question about it, but it was all about the software. So in the relationship of building a guitar, you know, yeah, we got to put money on the, on the table, but there's some, it's really about the, de- the, the demanding players are very demanding for good reason, but it becomes a, you get better. It, it's an engaging, it's an engaging, intriguing journey. So what, it, let's talk about this, uh, your lessons learned here. The first one right. is. The first one is it takes a lot of time to get good. We already talked about that. And and the second one you touched on, too, if you've never done a task before, most likely you're going to mess up and accept it. Right. Um, my my thought there is that, yeah, how how different it is when you're when you have when you're expected to perform for the company or whatever that you're, you know, to admit that you don't know something sometimes can can just be like horrifying to you, you know? And there is, there, we've talked a lot about this in other shows that, that whenever there's a culture of accepting failure, mm-hmm. people get better faster. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, but, and I've done but that. then the, from the top down, it's always like, you know, n- nobody's, everybody's afraid to admit that they don't know something. Yeah. And put, putting on my management hat for a minute, um, one of the interview techniques that I do is I always try to get a candidate to I don't know as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. And, and really just to judge, how long does it take for this guy to admit he doesn't know something? Right. And I want, and how does he, how does, not only, right, not only does he not know it, but how does he seek education at that point? Yeah. And, uh, you know, somebody posted a link in a comment and I don't know who it was and I'm sorry for not giving you credit, but, uh, it was a link to a YouTube video and I have a tiny URL here to it. It's tinyurl.com slash the dev expert. And it's called the expert. It's a short comedy sketch, uh, posted by Laurie Benier. I can't, I'm sorry, uh, Laurie, if I'm messing up your name. But uh, it's a, like a funny business meeting illustrating how hard it is for an engineer to fit into the corporate world. And, you know, basically the, they ask this guy to draw, if he can draw seven parallel, I'm sorry, seven lines, seven red lines. They all have to be perpendicular. Two of them have to be done with green ink and the rest with transparent ink. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah. And yeah, he yeah, basically yeah, yeah. says, well... How can I draw green, red lines with green ink? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the expert. Yeah. You're the expert. Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah I've seen that one. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, it can go- feel like that too. It can feel like that in the corporate culture sometimes too. That you know people ask you to do impossible things, but you know then sometimes they're just impossible to you, and you have to figure them out. I mean, you know that's the dance we all have to do. Right. Yeah, so that's a pretty funny video. But uh, before we go any further, Richard, yeah, buddy, you know what time it is now? Must be that happy time again. Yeah, it's time to announce my new cigar box software development class. <laughs> you start with a big collection and keep removing objects until it stops smelling bad. <laughs> There's a broom handle in there somewhere. I think there is. <laughs> it's actually time to give away a D-Experience subscription from Developer Express to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, 
Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation, touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com slash superhero. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Sergey Ponomarev. Congratulations, Sergey. Sergey Ponomarev. Golf clap for you, sir. Just for being awesome. Just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club, he got the D-Experience subscription, a big pile of awesome from DevExpress. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And then we like to ask our guests, Bob, this ought to be fun. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology right now, what would you buy? Ah, that's a good question. And I will tell you, um, I would go to uh, Craigslist and I would hope, I would hope that I could find the Martin table saw, a used one for $5,000. Because the Martin table saw, which is really the state of the art in table saw making, we can go out to the internet, they're out of Germany, Uh, their table saws go for $30,000. But they're, um, they're just gorgeous. It's almost like it's almost like bringing, you remember how before Visual Studio, we had Notepad (laughs) and we had make files. We had a couple of things before Notepad, but yeah. Yeah. Right. And remember how when you had to make your, you had to do your things in Notepad and then, you know, do your making up. Batch files uphill both ways. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, that's what, that's what typically if you go to Home Depot and you buy like a table saw, a rigid, you know, a rigid table saw off the thing. That's where a Martin table saw is state of the art and it does, um, it will, do incline cuts up to 0.01 millimeter. It's just, it's a, it's gorgeous. It's precision. It's state of the art. And it's just, you know, I, I have a friend who's a, an, who's a, a professional uh, architectural woodworker. And he said he had to buy one of these before he died. And wow. he did. Yeah. So I would buy a Martin table saw on extreme discount. I'd probably get, uh, instead of like Visual Studio 2015 table saw, I'd probably get like Visual Studio 2010 table saw. Gotcha. And I'd, <laughs> I'd, be, just, I'd be just as happy as all get out. That's yeah. what you I would buy. Primo tools like that, like top of the line tools, there's right. almost never used ones. You know, people value them so highly, they keep them forever. Yeah. Right. Right. And they last forever. I have another friend. Let me just share about brilliant mechanical engineers I've met, if I may. There's a person up here that I does my pickup work for me now. His name is Bruce Johnson. And he makes um he 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 makes pickups, but he also makes uh he replicates the old Ampeg uh scroll bar bases. And he also he collects antique power tools. And I don't mean power tools like drills and uh, saws, like drill presses and table saws. And he has a table saw from 1920 that is state-of-the-art that is a precision cutting machine. And the reason it's a precision cutting machine is because it weighs two tons. Hmm. <laughs> Seriously, it doesn't vibrate. Hmm. And because it doesn't vibrate, you can do precision cutting. Wow. So, 
Yeah. Go. Good tools. Yeah. I mean, visual, uh, you know, visual studio, even 20, even at news, you know, 2000, yeah. it's still viable. Those yeah. things don't go away. All right. Let's get back to your list of lessons okay. learned. Number three is there is little to be saved by cutting corners. Okay. So let's go back. Let's let you want to do the software part of the, or the uh, guitar part. Uh, it's up to you. And speaking of guitars, uh, stay tuned because we're going to talk about the guitar that Bob made for me, and I'll actually play it for you. So th that's coming up oh. at the end of the show. Okay, cool. Go ahead. Um, okay, so guitars, um, there there comes a point every time I'm in my shop, and I do have one, there comes a point where I'm going to say, I know the right thing to do. So, for example, right now I'm working on a guitar design that has a layered uh, side blocks. And what it requires is that I glue the blocks together. And gluing, um, gluing wood uses very high pressure and the clamps, unless you're using a press, you want to do the clamps and you have to put wood between the clamp and the wood you're pressing or else the clamp will make a mark in the wood. Right. And, and I'm thinking, okay, do I need to whip out my bandsaw and cut, you know, some wood things and do it? But I'm looking, this is hard. And so, um, one part of me said, okay, this is hard enough. I don't need to do it. And I put some of the rubber clamps on and, I got away easy. The right thing to done would have been to whip out the band, so I cut the wood exactly, put the wood on the on the wood I'm, I'm gluing, and put the clamps around it. That would have been the right thing. I was cutting a corner. Okay. In this case, the risk would have been I would have had dents where the clamps go in. And in this case, I was lucky. Uh, a couple guitars ago, I had to do a, a fret job. A, a buyer wanted his guitar, the guitar I'd made for him, he wanted fret dots on the uh, fretboard itself and that requires that you take all the strings off that you take uh all the frets off and then you put in the uh mother of pearl inlay and then you sand the fretboard even so mm -hmm. that it all looks nice and doing as you as i mentioned earlier fret fretting is a science yeah. it's a science you don't get to play games and i was lazy and i was a little annoyed having to put the you know the dots in and all that stuff anyway and um i put the old Fritz back on. I just did. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I was one of those days and yeah. um, it didn't work out. It didn't work out. I originally, I had to really go and I had redid all the frets, which is an enormous labor. Now let's go back to, so how does this apply to software? I, well, I don't know about you. I'm a test driven development guy. I mean, there, I have like this line that I won't go over. And the minute somebody says we don't have time for unit testing, I know there's a problem. Yeah. That's and exactly what I was thinking when you said cutting corners too. Yeah. Right. I don't. Right. That's a problem that I do not want to go into. That's a land. I've been in that land and there are demons and evil people and nothing ever works out right. So if I'm ever in a place that they're saying, well, you know, we don't we if somebody says, well, it's all right to drop the coverage number to 40 percent. Right. That's cutting corners. There's no way that's going to work out right. well. That's just not going to work out well. But some people think cutting corners are okay. Or you see it a lot so much more with legacy systems where people think that I really can get this legacy system to work. I really, really can. And, and so you start cutting corners instead of absorbing the cost of, of just letting either the legacy system go or writing proper adapters. And it doesn't work out well. Right. It doesn't work out. And it's a sense you have. You can't dictate for me. I can't talk about others. But me, I know when I, I know I should have done the frets right from the beginning. I know that. Yeah. You know? You were just annoyed. I was annoyed. Right. right. Yeah. I was right. And it didn't work out well. Yeah. So there's little to be gained cutting corners. 
right? Let the documentation go till later. We'll figure it out. Be ready to commit yourself when you commit yourself. Ah, that's a big one. Right. Okay, let's do guitars first. Let's go back. I'm going to assume that a lot of the audience is guitarists. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why people attach the necks to the bodies, and they don't do the neck as a complete piece of wood through the body. You told me this when I came to your shop. Right. Because you screw it up, you screwed up the whole thing. The whole thing, right. And so if you <laughs> screw up the body, you can throw the body away, make another body, and slam the uh, neck on. If you screw up the neck, you throw the neck away and slam another. So you, it's almost like it's it's really component-based development, right? You can write your data access layer, and if the data access layer is screwed up, well, then you don't have to worry about the business logic or vice versa. You don't have tight coupling. Yeah. Well. The, the, the style I do is I happen to like neck through. I like it for a variety of reasons. I think it, it makes a better guitar in terms of resonance. Yeah. I also think it's a cooler look, a whole lot of reasons. So there comes a point when to do a neck through, you got your wood, you got your truss rod insertion, and then also what a lot of builders, myself including, are doing, you put carbon fiber along the truss rod so um, that you don't have a lot of give in the, in the wood. Wood will turn over time. Yeah. And, um, so by the time you get to there, if indeed you, if you make a mistake, like let's say that you're, you're cutting your bridge holes and you make a mistake, you're going to lose it. So that's really committed. And committing means you're going to see the whole thing through all the way. I'm going to commit myself to this piece of wood or two or three pieces of wood until it becomes a guitar. Mm. Now, once you get there, so what I do is I don't commit myself right away. I've come to practice. I make a lot of mocks. Hint, hint, hint. Uh, I make yeah. a lot of mocking behavior and I mock out the guitar on low priced wood. I mean, it's cheaper to do something on pine and get it down until you're in that instead of dealing with a three or four hundred dollar piece of wood, mm. which you can get up to, that has a lot of injected value: the truss rod, the yeah. um, side blocks, and all that stuff. So with code, I spend a lot of time. Right now, I don't, I, I don't, tr I don't write the code that's going to ship a lot. I tend to write a lot of messing around stuff, and okay. I touch the points that met that mess around. And then once I get that the messing around is working. Then I'll start really committing myself that this code isn't going to go anywhere. Right. It's not going to you know, just go into demo land. Right. Bob, do you find there's a point, like, if it's a real known pattern for you, and I'm, and I'm comparing this to the guitar as well, once you've made a few of the same neck, can you pretty much go to this is the right way to make the neck? Yes. Yes, I can. Exactly. Right. I mean, and because all my... All my messing around has been done. So when I get the neck, that means my templates are right. I mean, right. I understand carving. I understand the fret position. Yeah, you got your fixtures and your jigs. Yep. Right. Fixtures and your jigs. You got your base class. You got your interfaces. The interface makes sense to the to the you you know to the need. You got your base classes that give you your base behavior. Hopefully, an abstract class, and then you let people inherit down the way. Right. Right. So you're going to pay this no matter what. It's just a question of whether you're going to deploy your mess first. <laughs> right. Well, actually, I don't. I'd rather not deploy my mess messing around. Rather not. Right. right. I know. And I, I mean, messing around means that goodbye code on. It wasn't a very good idea, was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, in in software, we can refactor when something doesn't work. And not so much, not so easy when you're dealing with a piece of hardware or a piece of wood. I mean, you make a cut and, you know, that has to go somewhere. Yes, you could fill it in with 
plastic wood or whatever make another cut in the right place. But you don't want to do that generally, right? You are going to ruin no. a piece of wood. Right. Or, or you get it, or it, it, it destroys your design sensibility and stuff. Yeah. Now, that being said, I have ruined a customer. <laughs> you I, made the I cut was, in the wrong the, place? On the software right. side. Now, you know, you know how you ruin a customer? The math doesn't add up right. Yeah. Right. Right. You, you build a report that doesn't reconcile correctly. And the reason they're ruined is they don't trust the numbers anymore. Yeah. And right. it's very hard to undo that failed trust. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, exactly. You may not be able to wreck the electrons that make your program, but your program can wreck your relationship with the customer. Yep. Right. Yeah. Right. Or, or, or you get the other pressure is, and this is where it, it's, 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 it's hard being a developer in general because you got to know a lot, but it's also hard being a developer to taking a stand. I mean, I've been in places, and it's not so much anymore, but I've been in places where you really do do the demo where. Because you got to, yeah. most people just don't get, get the concepts and you got to, you got to do something concrete. It's always better to put, put something in somebody's hands than, you know, an idea. Yes. And it, you know, it goes from demo where to, oh, we can ship this in no time at all. And the pressures are, are considerable to say, no, this is, this is not, this is throwaway. You know, no, this is not the guitar for you. I'm just messing about. Yeah. You know? But that take, that's a very takes a very special situation to be able to. All right, we do got that. a couple more to get through, and then I'll play for you. Okay. If you don't Good. pay attention, you will hurt yourself. Oh yeah. Well, here's the deal. If you don't pay attention, I work with tools that will take your hands off. Yeah. <laughs> it's that <laughs> one finger obvious. at a time. <laughs> one finger or all of them at a time. Oh come on, that's gross. However, let me go to the other side. So I'm sitting. I'm sitting. I have a my um. In my living room, I have a big glass table, which I use for a cutting board when I'm relaxing and watching TV. And one, I, again, I do all my work from templates. And before I send out for acrylic, I use paper templates. Mm-hmm. And I use razor blades and stuff like that. So I'm watching TV and I'm, you know, to have my straight edge. And right away, I take the razor blade and I go, Shh, and there goes part of my thumb. Ouch. Yum. Ouch, Why are you yeah, watching TV I, working with razor blades? I know. Well, it's like, <laughs> oh, I, same reason I run with scissors, because <laughs> I can, you know. <laughs> um, so, oh, man. So, um, yeah. So, here we are in code. And, um, yeah, I mean, one, you know, you know, I'm on, I'm on hour 14 and I, and you know, you got to get the stuff out and you, what's, you stop, you stop paying attention and you're saying, man, my other tests work real well. There's no reason why this one shouldn't, you know, and you say, oh, nobody's going to know. And I really, you know, I'm not paying attention or something or I'm not, I'm waiting for code to be delivered. And I know the guy, he said, it's going to support this interface and we're cool. And all I need, I don't need to mock it out. I'll just, you know, do the interface and I'll just inherit from it and I want and then and the next thing you know you cut your finger and you're bleeding all over the place <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay you're lying yeah. to yourself so in the software yeah. world we've we've all hurt ourselves before fortunately we can most of the time if we haven't cut too deep we can back out of it but uh, but yeah how did you hurt yourself software wise well I uh, recently I haven't because I really do try to pay attention I mean, I've been doing this long enough that it might, it's, it's like anything. There's a great book called The Checklist Manifesto about people that you just do the same things over and over again. Right. 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 So, for example, 
Um, I just do them. I mean, so I don't really hurt myself, but you know, there's, there's some, um, release management. I, I think I heard, I, I don't know exactly what companies is. I suspect it, but I can't document it, but they have this thing called code karma. So whenever they're releasing code, they look at the developer and the developers assigned a code karma number. And if you have a good code karma number, your, your release management is going to be a little easier on you. And if you have a bad code karma number, guess what? You're going to go to code review a whole lot. Right. All right. Let's grab on to the last one here from the blog post. There is no substitute for working with the player. Ah. Or the customer yes. in this case. Right. Or right. Or the business owner or the business analyst. Stakeholder, yeah. The stakeholder, yeah. It's there's no substitute. Um, you know, what can I I mean it's self explanatory. I mean, right. it's like saying why why does one equal one? I mean you know, good good guitars get made by people who work with good guitars. And I'll tell you a story, and this leads into the end here. Um, Bob asked me uh, when I was going to be in L.A. and to stop by his, uh, his shop because he was in the process of honing down the neck. Bob built a guitar for me, and uh, it's the 11th guitar that he's ever built. It's beautiful. We'll post pictures and stuff of it. And uh, he basically had me hold the guitar and put my hand all up and down the neck and tell him, you know, where how to shape it so that it, it fit my hand. And man, what a luxury that is. I, I just can't explain how how awesome it is to say, oh, you know what? It's a little thick right there. And he pulls out a rasp and he's like, okay, how's that? You know, and uh, we went at this for two or three hours, I think, right? Mm, yeah, we were there for a while. But, you know, that, and I've done the same thing with customers. You know, let's just come to the shop and let's uh, fine tune some of these details that you're, that you're thinking of. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, and then it creates, you know, one of the interesting things about, I found about software and guitar making is that so software in itself has no intrinsic value. A guitar in itself has no intrinsic value. It has to be used. It has to be used. Yeah. Right. It has to be used. I mean, does, you know, does, I mean, there's a good argument that said, yeah, everything has to be used. But right. no, there's stuff out there that just, a, you know, you know, a Renoir painting, you know, yeah, that doesn't have to be looked at to be have value. Maybe yeah, that's intrinsic, right? Yeah, yeah, it's intrinsic, but not, no, not with guitars. Yeah. The guitar is not complete until it's in a, a player's hands. Software is not really complete until it's out there being dissed by, you know, the general community or embraced. And uh, here's the 11. Tell us about this guitar that you built for me, the 11. The 11. It's made out of uh, a walnut neck through, and I've grown to really, really like walnut. It's a good hardwood. Black walnut. It's easy right? to find. Excuse me? Black walnut. Black walnut. And it's, uh, it's a domestic wood, so we're not doing evil things. You have um, mahogany um, side blocks, and mahogany is a nice uh, resonant wood that's light. And you have, and then actually, Carl, you're being quite modest because one part of the work we did is you determined, you called your, your, call, you called your hardware. That's right. right. You called your hardware, right? Yeah. So you put, you have the, um, you have the uh, Peter Florence um, Voodoo pickups. pickups. Yeah. The voodoo pickups. 
you have the uh, Gibson tailpiece and the tunable. You have the Gibson bridge and the tunable Gibson tailpiece, yep. which is an amazing piece of art. Yep. You have and you have the what did you get? We get Grover. Schaller or Grover, uh, Grover. You have the Grover yeah. pegs, yeah. Grover pegs that are solid pegs, and the electronics on it are. You have a um, I, part of the, the design sensibility is I only have three protrusions, and if you put the guitar, the guitar online or if you go on Facebook, go to Implements of Mass Construction, the guitar. The sensibility is pretty set. So you have three, you have two knobs and one switch, but your two knobs are concentric. So that means that one knob controls, there's two, there's a, a volume control and a tone control on each on each post. Yeah. So they're concentrics. And uh it's uh wired, uh it's wired up in parallel. Okay. Yeah, those those voodoo guitar, those voodoo pickups are rocking. I mean, I love working with them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it sounds great. All right, let me play just one more thing for you. We can play it out. It's a sweet guitar. Yeah, it is. We make it sound really, really good. Well, thank you, Bob. And You're thanks, welcome. thanks for uh, sharing your experience and your observations with us. It's been a treat. And thank you for having me. All right. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. 
Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the end.